0: Welcome to another lesson in Explore the Bible series. We continue in the book of 1 Thessalonians. This is the final session in 1 Thessalonians. This lesson is scheduled for May the 1st, 2022. And the basic thought here is salvation is demonstrated through God-honoring lives. Our key passage is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 12 to 24. And the key verse is chapter 5, verse 24. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So in this section of scripture, Paul provides or provided a list of commands. To the church, he told them several things to do and a few things to avoid. We're going to consider how they uh, communicate the expectations of a God honoring life. We'll also consider the basic practices that lead to a strong faith. And I want to help you identify people in your church or your faith community who model. These uh, examples well, and maybe commit to expressing appreciation uh, to these individuals for their influence in your life. So, as we begin, I want to um, ask you this question: What um, what is the motto for? Your state, we live in the state of Texas, and the motto for the state of Texas is drive friendly. Uh, it's on the license plate. We're supposed to be a friendly state. We're the Lone Star State. We have uh, different mottos. I was reading that um, our President Joe Biden and First Lady Jill uh, celebrated the commissioning of the USS. Delaware, making it the seventh Navy ship uh, to bear the first state's name, State of Delaware, First Lady Biden acknowledged that the vessel will always maintain the state's motto, Delaware's motto, liberty and independence. What a wonderful example to give for us to model liberty and independence. And so the U.S. Senator from Delaware stated that the men who serve and will serve aboard the USS Delaware will bear our state's name uh, for decades to come. So as we think about who we are as Christians, we, uh, we are characterized by certain uh, qualities and words that describe us. Paul called on the Thessalonians to identify with Christ and to live up to the expectations of doing so. So as we look at the broader context of this passage, for Paul, the the key to living out the Christian faith was to live with an eternal perspective. With that in mind, he taught the Thessalonians about Christ's second coming, we've looked at those in previous lessons. The apostle assured his readers that Jesus would come back uh, in an unmistakable way. Think about the trumpet call and the the angels' loud voices. When he returns, Paul says, he will take all his people with him, both the living and the dead from every nation and every epoch, or every people. Paul noted that those who are not prepared for the Lord's return will be surprised by his arrival and will face the consequences of rejecting him. That's why it's so important to Paul that the Thessalonians and all believers do several things, that we stay alert, that we are watchful, that we're always looking for Christ's return, and that we're always warning others of the danger of refusing his offer of salvation. He closed the letter. As he closed the letter, Paul uh, continued focusing on practical matters as we look at verses 12 to 24. He challenged his readers to focus on the basic practices that lead to strong faith. He told them several things to do and things to avoid. And we see that spiritual maturity was Paul's deepest desire for his young this young congregation. Paul knew the church was going through a difficult time. He clearly identified uh, what the Lord would have had them to do no matter the circumstances. So we look at the first section, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. And these verses, verses we'll listen for Paul's commands to the church. Verse 13, verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you and care for you and the Lord and who and to admonish who admonish you. Hold them in high regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. So on a broad or large piece of paper you might list these commands that he gives. Um, He gives recognition and regard to the church leaders. He encourages them to do this, to be at peace among yourselves. So the first command that Paul gives here, you might write on a notepad, be at peace among yourselves. In verse 12 and 13, we see uh, the first section deals with the, the attitude of the church generally Uh, to its leaders. No specific title is used for them. Uh, uh, Later, words like elders or bishops or deacons become common titles for the leaders of the church, and they were described in terms of things they did. They, They were involved in what was Hard work, a term used for Christian work, generally by Paul himself and missionaries, uh, but also by local leaders. They were over, I highlight that word, they were over the congregation. A phrase that may refer to existing authority or to showing concern and care. Uh, they, They warned people, who needed direction. They thus exercised authority in the church, and it was necessary to remind those subject to their authority to to recognize the leader's position and to show them proper esteem coupled with love and respect. And then he uses the phrase to live at peace, It may suggest uh, some danger of division when he says live at peace between the leaders and other believers. So showing respect for church leaders uh, demonstrates spiritual health of a church group, and so a a church that respects its leaders and honors them and um, tries to fulfill uh, the goals that that the leaders of that church has, is usually the sign of a healthy church. Paul went on to provide uh, a host of commands related to holding uh, one another accountable. So in verses 14 to 22, a larger section of scripture, uh, notice how Paul describes accountability with one's church family uh, with one's personal walk and with one's personal growth. So, being accountable to your family and in your walk and in your personal growth. So, what does it mean to be uh, accountable? Um, how does a person's accountability compare with accountability, uh, personal accountability, uh, compare with accountability to others? You know, we might try to keep ourselves walking in a path, but if if we have to answer to someone else and answer the hard questions about what we're doing and not doing right in our Christian walk, it's probably gonna be a better form of accountability. So in verse 14, he begins by saying, we urge you brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient, With everyone. Make sure that the body, that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strives to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Then, verse 16, a very common string of verses, short statements. Rejoice always. Verse 17, pray continually. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them. Test them all. Hold on to what is good and re- respect every kind. Reject every kind of evil. Looking at notes in the Life Application Bible, verse 14, he's basically saying, don't loaf around uh, with the lazy. Uh, Warn them. And so don't yell at the timid and weak, encourage and help them. And so the notes in the Life Application Bible goes on to say, at times it can be difficult to distinguish between idleness and timidity. Two people may be doing nothing, one out of laziness and the other out of shyness or fear of doing something wrong. The key to ministry is sensitivity. Sensing the condition of each person and offering the appropriate remedy for each situation you can't effectively help until you know the problem you can't apply the medicine until you know where the wound is so in verse 16 to 18 he, he says our joy our prayers and our thankfulness should be not should not fluctuate with our circumstances Or feelings. So we we ought to be consistent with our joy and with our prayers and with our thankfulness. Obeying these three commands to be joyful, uh, to never stop praying, uh, to be thankful often goes against our natural inclinations. When, When we make a conscious decision to do what God says, however, we will begin to see people in a new perspective. When we do God's will, we will find it easier to be joyful and to be thankful. Verse 17, we we cannot spend our all of our, our time on our knees, but it is possible to have a praying attitude at all times. The attitude is built upon, first of all, acknowledging Our dependence on God, if we depend on God, we're going to pray to him. It's built upon realizing uh, that God is with us. We see his presence with us. It's determining to obey him fully in everything that we do. Then, Then we will find it natural to pray frequent prayers, to pray spontaneous prayers, to pray short prayers that identify a need that we're asking God to help us with. So a a prayerful attitude is not a substitute for regular times of prayer, but should be uh, an outgrowth of those times. Have you ever grown tired of praying for something or someone? You've done it for so long. Paul said that, Believers should never stop praying. A Christian's persistence is an expression of faith that God answers prayers, pray without ceasing. Uh, Faith shouldn't die if the answers come slowly. And sometimes answers to our prayers come very slowly Faith shouldn't die, for the delay may be God's will, God's way of working out his will. When you feel tired of praying, know that God is present. Know that God is listening. When you feel tired of praying, know that God is always answering in ways that he knows are best. So as we look at verse 18, Paul was not teaching that we should thank God for everything that happens to us. But in everything, we should should thank God in everything. Evil does not come from God, so we should not thank him for it. But when evil strikes, we can still be thankful for God's presence, and for the good that will be accomplished through these distressing moments. Verse 19 says, "By, By warning us not to stifle the Holy Spirit, Paul means that we should not ignore or toss aside the gifts the Holy Spirit gives us. Don't stifle it. Here he mentions prophecy. In 1 Corinthians 14, he he mentions speaking in tongues. Sometimes spiritual gifts uh, are controversial. And sometimes spiritual gifts cause division in the church, especially if one person who has one gift thinks, well, everyone ought to have that gift. And if you don't, you're not as spiritual as I am. And Paul uh, warns against that in several of his letters to the churches. So rather than trying to solve the problems, some Christians prefer to smother the gifts. (laughs) I just won't won't express any of the gifts that God has. Uh, This impoverishes uh, the church. We should not stifle the Holy Spirit's work in anyone's life, but encourage the full expression of these gifts to benefit the whole body of Christ. So looking at verse 20 and 21, we shouldn't make fun of those who are called to speak for God. Uh, One translation says to to scoff at prophecies, but we should always test everything that is said, checking their, their words against the Bible So if we know God's Word and we know what God's Word says uh, in general throughout Scripture, and someone is saying something that just doesn't measure up to that, then then we need to test what they say and approach them about that. We're on dangerous ground if we laugh at a person who speaks the truth. Instead, we should carefully check out what people say, accepting what is true, and rejecting what is false. So moving into this last section of Scripture, Paul closed out his letter with a blessing, expressing his desire to see the Thessalonian believers sanctified. So in verses 23 and 24, we need to keep in mind these are Paul's final words in his first letter to the church. We'll look at 2 Thessalonians in next week's study. Verse 23 reads, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you, though through and through, may your words, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who called you is faithful, and he will do it. So looking at the new Bible commentary, it be, he says, verse 23 begins with that word, finally. Paul expresses a prayer for the readers. God himself is personally concerned for them. He is a source of spiritual blessing and here sums up as peace. And therefore it is right to pray that he will enable those who are called saints to become more and more saintly in their whole being. Paul is thinking of an ongoing process and the ideal result will be that at whatever time the Lord returns, he will find his people completely blameless so as to be whole. So he uses that expression spirit, soul, and body in a way of saying uh, completely by a way of saying completely by reference to the three aspects of a human being life so he's he's describing life in relationship to god life in the human personality spirit body and the the body through which one acts and expresses itself and so the spirit soul and body although the christian life demands human effort, in the last analysis, it depends on God himself. If himself, who is faithful, those who trust in him are trusting, number one, that he will preserve their right, uh, preserve them right to the end, and they have every reason believe that he is trustworthy. He'll, He'll keep you to the end and he will be trustworthy. So as we think about this lesson, let me emphasize that Thessalonica was going through persecution in the church and their faith was being tried in many ways. Paul wanted them to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was faithful. So the summary statement again for this lesson is salvation is demonstrated through God honoring lives. So what are the applications? We should treat other church members in a way that brings honor, brings God honor. The second application is pursuing God goodness and being thankful honors God. And finally, God's power sanctifies, sets us apart, and keeps uh, the believer walking by faith. So Christians ought to pray and labor that the kingdom may come and God's will would be done. Uh, Let's praise God for his salvation and his faithfulness Let's ask for his power in living lives that honor God in all circumstances. So the song I wanna suggest you think about today is uh, entitled, Take Time to Be Holy. I'll only read the first verse, but the words are powerful. Take time to be holy, speak oft, with the Lord, often with the Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his word, God's word, the Bible. Make friends of God's children. Help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing, his blessing to seek. So let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for uh, this study of First Thessalonians. We. Uh, We thank you for the admonition to to pray constantly, to be thankful. We thank you for all that Paul is teaching us in this lesson. We thank you that your desire is that we be set apart and made holy so that we can make a difference in the world where we live. Lord, we ask your anointing and blessing. We pray that we would be accountable to you in all ways. We pray that we would be examples of what you want Christians to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.